so does anyone know where the clicker went? Oh, there it is. Good morning. Good to see all of you here uh, this morning. You know, uh, about a month ago or so, um, we were in an elders meeting, and the elders at the end of the meeting said, Richard, uh, or he, one of the elders says to the rest of the elders, he says, uh, we need to talk about the staff here this, mo- this evening, and so, Richard, you have to go out. And, and that usually happens whenever they talk about money or about you know, wages or staff or anything like that. It's a kind of a conflict of interest with me being, being both a minister staff as well as an elder. They asked me to step aside, and so I stepped out. Well, last week, you know, they, you honored me with my 20th anniversary being here, and so they asked me to step out, and they were wondering, and they thought, you know, that gave it away. Because I was completely surprised last Sunday morning. I mean, completely surprised. But they were worried about that giving it away. But, and I told them, I said, that's not at all what I thought. I thought, okay, Clint or Jared messed up. <laughs> Those guys, they did something. And they're, they're getting ready to get in trouble. And I'm not supposed to know about how much trouble they're getting into. So, <laughs> and Jared's going, no, it's Clint's the one. Uh, but anyway, I just wanted to say thank you so, so much. Last Sunday was... Um, uh, it was it was so very special for Lori and and I. We felt so much love and appreciation, and and you as a congregation have been so pleasant to work with over the last uh, 20 years. And so we can't express to you how much we appreciate your your love and your encouragement, your fellowship, uh, your support. Uh, you've taken care of all of our our fellowship needs, our spiritual needs, our physical needs, and you've just been absolutely wonderful and very gracious. And so for that, we give you uh, we give you our thanks. Thank you for being patient with me. I know that sometimes I might probably grind on some of you a little bit. But anyway, thank you so much, and we just appreciate you uh, a great deal. So open your Bibles, if you would, to 1 Kings, the 19th chapter. As you turn over there, we're going to back up to the 18th chapter, but this was a great day for victory for God and for the prophet Elijah. It, it was a great day because... Uh, Elijah had challenged the 450 prophets of Baal as well as the 400 prophets of the Asherah to meet him on Mount Carmel, and there there would be a contest. And, and on that day, Elijah, he called you know, fire down from heaven onto Mount Carmel, and it consumed his offering, whereas the prophets of Baal, they had completely lost all confidence in what they were about, and they weren't able to do anything. And as a result of this great victory that had happened because of this event here. Elijah, he takes these 850 prophets of Baal and the Asherah, and he slaughters them at the brook, uh, brook Kishon. I mean, he slaughters them. He, he destroys them. And you would think that after such a, a mountaintop experience, if there were such a thing as a mountaintop experience, this was the mountaintop experience. It was an incredible thing that had happened there. And you would think that because of that, Elijah would have been elated. Elijah would have been at the very top of his game. He would have felt incredible, except for one thing. News came to Jezebel, who was the queen, And Jezebel is this woman that is just someone that you just don't mess with. And when she heard about what had happened to these these prophets, these people who used to sit at her table and dine with her, they were friends of hers. When she heard about that, she became enraged. I mean, she was so enraged that she said these words here. May the gods punish me and do so severely if I don't make your life like the life of one of them by this time tomorrow. What she was saying to him is that, Elijah, you have 24 hours, buddy, and then I'm coming after you. I'm going to send people after you, and like those prophets that you had slaughtered at Kishon, that's what's going to happen to you. 
I'm going to destroy you. She was after his blood. And so how did Elijah respond? He just had an, an incredible victory. He saw the impossible become possible and that God was able to take out all these prophets. What was his response to this enraged queen? Well, his response was, it says that he became afraid. He became fearful and he immediately ran for his life he runs a day's journey out into the wilderness if you had seen the valley of elon and where he was this conversation has taken place he goes down the valley of elon he goes down through beth shan will come down toward the jordan and begin to make his way south towards bathsheba probably past jericho would pass what was later be known as as um uh, Masada. He'll go past the Dead Sea. He'll go out to a wilderness area there, and there he'll place himself below a broom tree. I've been to a place much like that uh, when I was in Israel and saw what the broom tree looked like and everything. And so he is below this broom tree, and he's considering everything that had happened, and he is so depressed. He's so discouraged. He is so fearful for his life that he says these words. He says, I've had enough. Lord, take my life, for I am no better than my father's. I mean, that's severe depression. That's severe discouragement when he gets to this point after just a day or so before having this great victory on Carmel. Now his life is being threatened. Now he's running for his life, and now he's at this, under this broom tree asking God just to take his life, that he is done with doing that. person might say, well, why would he get to that point? Why, why is a lesson like this important to us? Why is it important for us to know about what brought this mighty man to this point in his life where he just wanted to quit living, and then later on his, his conquering it? Well, I think there's value in it because if it can happen to Elijah, it can happen to each and every one of us. It really, really can. It can happen to us because no one is immune. No one is immune from being discouraged. No one is immune from being depressed. No one is immune from being fearful for their lives. And that's exactly where Elijah found himself. I can't tell you how many times over the last uh, 22 months, almost two years now, I can't tell you how many emails I have received, how many texts I have received, how many phone calls I have uh, visited with another person on the other end of the line, how many discussions that I've had pe with people, personal face-to-face uh, -face discussions with them. Some of them are people that I know pretty well, and others are complete strangers that I don't know at all, where we have gotten discussions about the pandemic and the things that are going on around us. It's just there. People, it's just on their minds, and people find themselves discouraged and depressed and, and fearful of a lot of different things. And it's not just, you know, those folks. Did you know that even ministers, you would think that ministers would be the guys that would have it all together, right? Barner Group did a survey of a bunch of ministers, and they found that they are a part of what is called the Great Resignation. Have you heard about that? The great resignation, the great resignation is something that our country is going through right now where people are saying, you know what, I'm so tired of my job that I have. I'm tired of the politics that is around me. I'm tired of the pandemic. I'm tired of all these things that are going on around me, and so I quit. And so people are resigning from their jobs. People are leaving their various kinds of relationships. Well, ministers are no different than that. They are part of the great resignation. 
Barna Group found that ministers have, during 2021, have either thought about quitting or were quitting. 38% of all non-mainline churches, those ministers said, I've had enough. I've had enough of the politics. I've had enough of the pandemic. I've had enough of the social malaise. I've just had it. Not only am I struggling with it, myself not only am i struggling with the pandemic myself and my own fear and depression not only am i dealing with the politics not only am i dealing with the social you know glass that is there uh but so are the people and now they're coming to me with their stuff and i'm having to only deal with my own stuff but i'm going to deal with other people's stuff and so 38 percent said i don't want to do this anymore i'll do with my stuff but i don't want to deal with the other people's stuff what is even worse than that 51 percent of mainline church ministers are quitting they said they either consider quitting or they have quit that was in 2021 now we're in 2022 and and i'm told that it's not getting better do you know that some of our colleges now within the churches of christ some of our colleges now are now giving free tuition to men who are considering going into full-time ministry why is that because men are not going into the ministry men are not wanting to deal with the different kinds of things that goes with ministry and so they're just saying we're not going to go into that and so they're trying to woo them in by saying we'll give you tuition free college you'll have to pay for your room and those kind of things but other than that you can come in we'll put you through school i wish i'd been doing that when i was going that'd been pretty good stuff there but what i'm saying is that no one is immune from that even people that you think would be strong and hanging in there are not they are they were kidding. So what is it that caused Elijah to sink to such a point that after he had such a, a great victory that he wanted to just bail out? Look at First uh, Kings, the 19th chapter. Look at what he says, verses 5 through 9. So it says that, you know, so Elijah's under the broom tree, and it says, and he lays down, and he slept under the juniper tree. And behold, there was an angel touching him and said to him, Arise, eat. Then he looked, and behold, there was at his head a bread cake baked on hot stones and a jar of water. So he ate and drank and then lay down again. The angel of the Lord came again a second time and touched him and said, Arise, eat, because the journey to you for you is going to be great. So he arose and ate and drank and went on the strength of that food for 40 days and 40 nights to Horeb, the great mountain of God. Sound familiar? You ever heard of that place, the mountain of God? Well, you spent four weeks, five weeks talking about it, so... But that's where he ended up. Seems like great things happen at this at, at Horeb or Sinai. So he travels now from Bathsheba 40 days and he goes down to the Sinai Peninsula and he gets to Horeb. And when he gets to Horeb, it says in verse 9, then he came there to a cave and he lodged there. And behold, behold the word of the Lord came to him and said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? What are you doing here so what caused him to get to this point where you know instead of victory he's feeling defeat and he hides himself away in a cave well verse 10 tells you why he's feeling that way look at verse 10 and elijah said i've been very zealous for the lord the god of hosts for the sons of Israel have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars, killed your prophets with a sword, and I alone am left. And they seek my life to take it away. So what has brought Elijah to this point in life? Did you see it on that passage? That passage, verse 10, tells you how Elijah came to where he was. Look at what it says. I alone am left. All Israel has forsaken your covenant. 
They have torn down your altars where they worshipped you. They have slayed the prophets with a sword. And I alone, I'm the only one left here. And, and Jezebel has vowed that she is going to take my life and make it like the prophets of Baal and the Asherah. That's where I'm headed, and I've had it. And so he is extremely alone. For those of you who live in the South, and from a, on occasion we'll have a tornado kind of drop down here up, up in our way, but not often, but down in the South there's tornadoes a lot. Even in the eastern part of Colorado, there are tornadoes that drop down in that part of the country as well. But tornadoes, when, when tornadoes drop down, they do a lot of destruction. But it's more than just, you know, just that funnel of wind that touches down and destroys things. There's a lot of things that spin off from tornadoes. Things like, you know, huge thunderstorms and lightning and rain that doesn't come straight down but goes sideways like bullets and, and not only that, but hailstones. I was in one one time in Cedar Hill, Texas where the hailstones were the size of golf balls. Seriously. Came, knocked out seven windows in the house, tore the roof off the house, knocked down a six-foot fence in the back, absolutely destroyed a 65 or 1966 Mustang Fastback that I owned, put a dent in that thing every inch was a dent. I mean, a lot of things spin off from tornadoes, but guess what? When you talk about the pandemic, when you talk about COVID-19, there's a lot of things that have spun off from that. The pandemic has spun off fear and stress and depression and, and, and uncertainty and discouragement, anxiety, sorrow. I mean, there's a lot of things that have spun off. So let me ask you, okay, we're going to be honest with ourselves this morning, okay? How many of you, by a raise of hands, I don't really do it, but we're going to raise our hands this morning. How many of you, since this pandemic has been going on for now, you know, 22 months, how many of you have felt fear? I have. Seriously, how many, let's be honest, how many of you felt fear during this time? How about stress? Anyone felt stress? How about depression? Anyone got depressed? When, when, when we were all sheltered in place and locked down, did that depress you just a little bit? Anxiety? Anyone, get, anyone been discouraged? Anyone feel lonely? Those things are, are real when you talk about this. I mean, loneliness is a huge, huge thing. Sigmund Freud was one time telling a story about a schoolboy who, because of his behavior, was kicked out of school. Kicked out of school, expelled. A couple days later, the little boy shows up with a pocket full of pebbles, and he's outside below the, his classroom, and he's throwing pebbles at the window, clinking them off the window. And the teacher looks out, and he looks out, and he sees that little boy down there. So he goes to the principal, and the principal comes out, and he asks the little boy, he says, what in the world are you doing throwing pebbles at the, at the windows? And the little boy says, I just want everyone to know that I'm still here. I want everyone to know that I'm still here, that, that I'm still a part of everything here. I know I'm out of school, but I'm still a part. We all carry pebbles in our pockets. I'm convinced of that. We all want people to know that we are still here. So are you lonely? I mean, I just want you to be honest with yourself. Are you lonely? Well, you say, I don't feel lonely. Well, you are unique. 
And so this morning I want to talk to you about conquering loneliness. Because I think it's, if, if COVID is pandemic, then I'm going to say to you that loneliness is even more so. I mean, it's, it's, it is truly huge. And so what I want to do this morning with you is I want to talk to you, number one, about what is loneliness and what is it not? And then I want to talk to you about, well, what causes loneliness? And then I want to talk to you about some cures or some ways that we can conquer any loneliness that's in our life. So let's talk about what it is not. Loneliness is not solitude. It's not solitude. For instance, Jesus welcomed solitude. There was time when Jesus would get away to a lonely place by him himself, and he would spend time praying. He'd sometimes go for overnight. Sometimes he would go for a good period of time. The disciples were wondering, where did he go to? But he would get away by himself to a lonely place, to an isolated place, or a place of solitude, in order that he could recharge, in order that he could refresh, in order that he could refocus. He spent time in prayer with, with God and with himself, and, and he was able to get, to get more together. And I'm convinced that all of us need that as well. There's times when we need solitude where we can get us away from things and refresh and recharge and refocus on things. I don't do it so much nowadays, but there was a period in my ministry where I would try to get away for a week at a time. During the summer, I'd try to go a week by myself. Maybe it's during hunting season, but I'd get a, a week and go by myself. Take the trailer up, and I would camp by myself. I wouldn't take anyone with me. I didn't want anyone with me. didn't bring Lori with me. I took some books up there. I took my Bible up there, and I wanted to get up there in solitude by myself. So I could just, you know, I could spend some time refocusing on what I was about and what I was, was doing. I needed to recharge my batteries. I needed to kind of relook at some things. I called it camping or, or hunt. I was going hunting, but really I didn't really hunt. I, did, I think I've told you I do armed camping. Armed camping is where you get to camp and get to carry a gun while you're doing it. And so that's what I do. So I'd get away for some solitude. So solitude is not loneliness, especially if it's a temporary thing. It's not lonesomeness. You can be alone and not feel lonesome or feel lonely. I, I, I've gone up fishing where it's just me by myself, and I'm telling you, I liked it by myself, and I didn't feel lonely. So it's not lonesomeness. It's not isolation. Did you know that you can feel lonely in the midst of a thousand people? You can be with a thousand, seven thousand people and still feel lonely. I've been to polishing the pulpit, seven thousand people there, and I'm walking amongst them, but I don't know those people. They're all from the south, you know, or from the east. They're from Alabama. They're from Tennessee. They're from Georgia. They're from Kentucky. They're not from Idaho. They're not from Washington. They're not from California. They're all a bunch of people that are out back southeast of there. And I didn't know them. And so it's weird that you can be there and still kind of feel lonely. Like you're glad when the sessions are over so you can go to your room and kind of hide away for a, a little bit. That sounds weird, I know. But I know that happens with some of you that when you move up here, you move up here, you've left family and friends behind, and now you've come into a new congregation. And these people are trying to talk to you, and they're trying to, you know, welcome you and all you want to do is just end the conversation so you can go home and hide in your house for a while okay that's how i felt and i felt that many times so it's not isolation so if if loneliness is not solitude lonesomeness or or isolation what is loneliness well loneliness is a state of mind 
It's a state of mind. It's how you feel between your ears. It's how you feel inside your heart. And the bad thing, or the hard thing about a state of mind is that you can't read a state of mind. It's hard to identify a person uh, who is lonely because it is a state of mind, and you can't see a state of mind. Sometimes you can read body language. Sometimes you can read facial gestures. Sometimes you can read some stuff there. But oftentimes, it's really hard to see that a person is, is loneliness. Social psychologists, they define loneliness as that gap between the social connections you have or you would like to have and those you feel you are experiencing. I want to feel a part. I want to feel as though I belong. I want to feel as though I am loved and, and cared for. That's what I want, but what I'm experiencing is just the opposite of that. And they call it a gap that is, is there. And it's characterized by feelings of not being wanted, perhaps un, unneeded or even unnecessary, empty, cut off from other human beings. And let me tell you what, the pandemic has done that to a lot of people. It has really you know, has disassociated people away from one another, feeling cut off or feeling alone or feeling by your, yourself. Three basic needs very quickly that all humans have. Number one, we all need someone to love us and for someone to love. That is a basic human need that we all have. We want to be loved. We want to love others. We want to know that someone understands what's going on. We want people to understand or know how we feel about things. We, we need that as humans, and we need to feel needed and wanted. We need to feel as though we belong to something. And it's interesting when you think about that because God knows those he has created so well that he took a nation and chose it to be someone special and peculiar and wonderful, and he chose a church to be the same way. Jesus said, I will build my church. Why did he do that? Because he knew, knew that we could not go it alone, that we don't do well in caves, that we do better when we're out among each other and with one another in, in life. And so when those things are unmet, the, we fall into this grip of loneliness. Three things you need to know about loneliness. If you don't hear anything, you need to hear what I'm having to say. And, and if you're kind of falling asleep now, now's the time to wake up and look. Because you need to hear, get to know what these three things are. Number one, it's this. Loneliness is a common fact. If you're sitting there saying, well, I'm bigger than that. Loneliness doesn't touch me. You're nuts. Loneliness touches everyone. Loneliness is a common fact. Moses felt loneliness. David felt loneliness. Elijah felt loneliness. Jeremiah felt loneliness. Paul the apostle felt loneliness. Jesus our Lord felt loneliness. When he's in the garden of Gethsemane, he was majorly alone in this battle between, you know, the spiritual battle that he was going on between uh, flesh and spirit. He felt lonely. So loneliness is a common fact. Cygna survey found this. Listen to these these statistics, this is what Cigna, when they did a survey of people, found this. 61% of young adults between the ages of 18 to 35 have felt or are feeling loneliness. This is in 2021. 63 or 61% of young people, young adults, felt or feel lonely. 51% of young mothers with children they not only feel lonely, it says it's serious loneliness. Serious loneliness for young mothers, 51%. It's not just the young, even those who are older, the baby boomers, 41%. That's people like me, I'm a baby boomer. Baby boomers, 41% of boomers said that they felt lonely or feel lonely. Going from 21, 2021 to 2021. 
22. And here's the one that surprised me. 57% of those working remote from home have experienced loneliness or felt lonely. 57%. Because if you were to ask those same people about working remotely, do you want to work remotely or work in the office? They'd all say, I want to work remotely. Science says, no, you don't. You need people. You need interaction. You need a team concept. It's hard to work alone by yourself. They also found this, 73% of very heavy social media users feel lonely compared to light users at 52%. And so when you have your iPad out or your, your computer out or your smartphone out and you are doing that social stuff, notice it says social media. Social is the word. Social means you are socializing. But what they're saying is that 73% of the people, they spend so much time on the iPad that they're not socializing with anyone but themselves, and now they feel lonely because they've cut themselves off, as compared to those who are light users at 52%. When social media is used to enhance existing relationship, it reduces loneliness, whereas when social media is used to escape social interaction, it increases loneliness. I thought that was crazy. So what is all this saying to us? Well, what it's saying to us is that people need people. You are hardwired that way. God made you that way. God said when he looked at the man Adam, he said, it's not good for the man to be alone. I'll make a helpmeet suitable for him. He didn't give him a dog. Didn't give him a cat. He gave him a woman. He gave him a helpmeet, uh, someone that could, he could correspond with, someone that he could associate with, fellowship with. Loneliness is a, a crippling force. It's associated with depression, anxiety, sleep problems, high blood pressure, cardiovascular stuff. People are having heart attacks from it, strokes from it. We're talking about loneliness. This is serious stuff. I thought about sharing with you the statistics of how many people have committed suicide in 2021 that is related to the pandemic. And I thought it was just so depressing, I decided not to do it. But I'm telling you, it's a real deal. And so when I said, how many of you feel lonely and only half a dozen of you put your hand up and admitted it, well, you guys are not, I don't know if you're being honest with yourself completely because people have felt lonely. CDC surveyed, 63, 60, CDC surveyed, 63%, 18 to 35-year-olds are suffering significant symptoms of anxiety and depression. Significant symptoms. People need people. But there's good news, and the good news is that loneliness really is a conquered foe. Jesus died on the cross alone so that you don't have to be alone. John, the 14th chapter, verses 15 through 17, is a, is a great passage of Scripture. It says this, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. This is Jesus speaking. I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may be with you forever. That is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him or know him. But you know him because he abides with you and will be in you. He'll tell him, he goes, I'm not going to leave you as orphans, but I'm going to send you a helper. I'm going to send someone that will be with you. He's talking about the Holy Spirit. He's going to be a part of our lives. And so what he's saying is that you're not alone. Spiritually, you're never alone. 
physically, you don't have to be alone because in Hebrews, the 10th chapter, verses 24 through 25, remember Jesus said, I'm going to build my church. Why is he building his church? He's building his church in order to stimulate, to encourage those who are going to be followers of his. So in Hebrews, the 10th chapter, in verse 24 and 25, he says, let us, that's us, let us consider how to stimulate one another, to stir one another up, to spur one another on to loving good deeds. Do not forsake the assembling of the church together as is the habit of some, the custom of some, but encouraging one another even more as we see the day approaching. And so what he's saying is, is that the church exists for a purpose. The spirit is there so you're not alone. The church is there to get his arms around you and to be with you so you have face-to-face -face contact with one another and are together with one another. So that's what loneliness is and what loneliness is not. What causes loneliness? What caused Elijah to feel lonely? Well, there are several things. The first one, I think, is we'd call it the fellowship factor. The fellowship factor. Remember, Elijah has run way out into a wilderness. He's come down to Horeb. Have you ever noticed, if you saw modern-day pictures of Horeb, they don't build hotels around Horeb. They don't build resorts around Horeb. It's a desert. And he goes down there, and he crawls or climbs into a cave. He goes inside a cave. And God has to go in there because what he has done is he's went to a cave and he's cut himself off from all fellowship. So fellowship is the lack or the loss of companionship, feeling uh, left or isolated from others. That's what it is. Elijah thought he was the only faithful one in Israel. He didn't know that God had preserved 7,000 other prophets. He doesn't know about them. All he knows about is all the prophets that have been killed. What he knows is that Israel has left the covenant. What he knows is that they've told down all the altars of God and instead have put up uh, uh, objects of Baal and the Asherah, the male and female deities. And that's their, what they're worshiping. He says, and not only that, he says, they killed all the prophets with a sword, and I alone am, am left, and now they're after me as well. So there was this lack of fellowship that is in Elijah's life, and, and that, was, that was bad. It was so bad that he wants to die. He doesn't want to live any, any longer. And so, have you ever felt like that? Have you ever felt like what the psalmist said? I'm like an eagle owl, like a little owl among the ruins. I stay awake. I'm like a solitary bird on the roof or on a roof. Psalm 31 and verse 12, I am forgotten, gone from memory like a dead person, like broken pottery. So what do you do with the broken pottery? Well, you throw the stuff out and you forget about it, right? What about dead people? Well, if they're dead long enough, they tend to be forgotten. That's what he's feeling. I alone am afflicted. I am alone and afflicted. There was this fellowship factor that was missing for for. Uh, Elijah. He felt like that solitary bird on the roof. Everyone was gone, and he's by himself. And that's where verse 10 plays such an important role, because those words there, I alone am left. Fellowship is so important, if you think about it. Being Interacting with one another is so important that we have, have that. Um, and every move that I've made, I've, this is my fourth congregation I've served over the last 40 years. Actually, it's 41 years, but I've served. And 
In every move that I have made, I've always went through almost the same exact feelings. Uh, when we left Caldwell, we'd been there for about 10 and a half years, a little more than that. <clears throat> that became home, that became family, that became friends, all that stuff. And we decided to leave there, and we moved to Lovin'. Lori and Nicole, they cried the whole way. Cried the whole way to, to Loveland. And then we got to Loveland, and, and our house had been built, and we were getting ready to move into that house. But that was just a house. That wasn't home. It was a house. We hadn't put our pictures up yet. We had boxes all over the place, you know, and, and uh, we didn't recognize any of the streets. And instead of having Albertsons, they had Piggly Wigglies, you know, and the newscasters, they all sounded weird. Uh, if you ever listened to a, a newscaster somewhere else, they don't sound like they have any, make any sense whatsoever. They sound like they're just a bunch of podunks, you know, and, and these are Denver you know, newscasters, which means they're at the top of their game compared to the Idaho guys. At least that, but in my mind, they just sound like a bunch of podunks, you know. You go to church, and that congregation is about 500, and you go to church there, and they're all wanting to love me and put their arms around me and all those things, and you know what I wanted to do? I made sure I smiled, shook their hands, was nice, and all that stuff, but what I wanted to do is I wanted to go home. I wanted to go home to that house, which is not a home yet, but I wanted to go there, and I just wanted to be there. That's the fellowship factor. I needed those people, and I felt that way every place, except for, well, that's why it's been hard getting rid of me here. Because you're my family. You're my friends. This is where my home is. I, I know the streets here. I know what's going on here. I know your weaknesses and strengths. You know my weaknesses and strengths, at least some of them. And so this is where I belong, or where I feel like I belong. An elders meeting can change all that, or one bad sermon maybe. But but there's a fellowship factor, and, and Elijah had locked himself away into a cave, back in this cave by himself, and he feels all alone. The fear factor. He just had this mountaintop experience. He should have been elated. It was an incredible thing that happened, but then Jezebel says, I'm after you. Before tomorrow, you're going to be like those prophets you slaughtered. I'm going to kill you as, as well. And so he ran for his life. The pandemic has struck a lot of fear into people. I mean, it really has struck. I'm not saying it's not warranted, but it really has struck a lot of fear in, in people. And what happens is when fear moves in, faith moves out. And that's what happened to Elijah. Fear was so strong with him that he quit looking to God anymore. He only looked within him himself. And so faith moved out and fear took its place and it caused him to feel this loneliness that was there focus factor so you have fellowship you have fear and you have this focus factor where uh, where did elijah focus on after he received this threatening news from queen jezebel did he look inward or did he look upward well he looked inward right when he was on the top of mount carmel and he'd called down this fire and it consumed that sacrifice that was there and those prophets were destroyed and he was battling. Where was, where was his faith in? Was it, where was he looking? Was he looking inward or upward? He was completely upward. But now he has run for his life down to Mount Horeb and now he's inside a, a cave. And he had had this great power demonstrated with him. The impossible became the, the possible. And, and then all of a sudden the power is gone. So what happened to the power? 
Well, the same thing that happens to God's power in our life. It, it's replaced by self. We start looking inward instead of upward, and now we're trying to go at it with our own steam or with our own, with our own strength. And so Elijah, he temporarily gave up on God. He forgot what God had done on Mount Carmel. Now he's looking just at him, himself, and he finds himself suffering spiritually in, inside. So I wrote this down in my notes. He stopped looking up, started looking around, until he finally looked within, and then he stopped looking at all. Done. I've had enough. Lord, just take my life. I've had enough. Isolation and loneliness are central causes of depression and despair, church. That's what I'm saying to you. But here's the great irony of all this. The great irony. The great irony is when a person experiences loneliness, they often isolate themselves from people. They shut themselves off from people. And people need people. They drop out of church. They drop out of small group. They drop out of serving. They quit. They drop out of the very place they can go to get strength and support and encouragement. They do. And, and you think it would be just the opposite, but that's what humans do is we just quit. The bad news is just living in our own cave, just as it was with Elijah, is, is not good. Sheltering in place for a while is not bad. It's, you know, we're trying to reduce the curve and all those things. But sooner or later, the person's got to come out of the cave. Later on, I'll tell you that you know, with, with Elijah, Elijah was in this cave. He's not coming out of that cave. God has to go in there to him, not once but twice. And he says to Elijah, what are you doing here, Elijah? You just had a victory. What are you doing here? He goes into the cave and talks to him. I'm going to be honest with you, okay? And this might, I don't know if it's a soapbox. It can't be a soapbox because I don't get it that much. But I've had to wonder over the last couple of years, last 22 months, I've wondered, I've seriously wondered, what is worse, COVID or loneliness? What's worse, COVID or loneliness? Because both can kill you. Both can discourage you, both can depress you, both strikes fear in you, and worst of all, what scares me the very most about that is it can kill you spiritually. It can, you know, just like Elijah, it can kill you spiritually. Okay, so I know, I know, and I guess I'm talking not so much to you, but maybe those online here looking at me. I know that Many have been, many or at least some have been really reticent, fearful of coming back to an in-person worship service. And, and I get that because some people are living, are really at-risk people. And so if, if you are a person who is at risk, that means that your person has some kind of medical condition or some kind of something going on in your life that puts you at risk, that you can't afford to get this virus or it could kill you, okay? I completely understand that. And so I'm not trying to lay any kind of guilt on you, okay? So please understand that. Or if you're living with a person who is at risk, then you certainly don't want to get it and then come back and give it to them. So I, I understand that. So 
please understand, I'm not fussing at you, okay? Uh, I'm just trying to share with you my heart. What I'm going to ask you to do, though, is, is I'm just going to ask you to be consistent. Are you consistent? If, if you're staying at home because you're at risk and you're afraid of what you, could happen to you, then you've you got to do what is best for your, your body. And I understand that. But if it's a matter of convenience, then that's another thing. For instance, be consistent. If you, are, if you are staying home and you're saying, I'm staying home because of COVID, and yet you're going to restaurants and you're going to entertainment venues like to the movies or to the con a concert or you are going to athletic events inside or outside where it's football or now it's basketball season and wrestling season and, and all those things. If you are going to those, if you are jumping on airplanes and going on vacation to Disney World and Disneyland, and you're not coming to church, or you're hanging out with people who are doing all those things, then is that consistent? I mean, is that, I mean, couldn't you be at church? If you're doing those things, then there's no reason in the world that you can't be in the assembly. Rob Redden, who's a friend of mine, Rob Redden baptized me, by the way, so that tells you how old he is, but I got this from him. Listen to what it says. He's a minister, by the way, okay? As church attendance numbers fade across the nation and online services become very convenient, it's important to remember why church attendance for you and your family matters so much. Okay, so inline streaming is great, right? It's been a tremendous blessing, but it should not and cannot take the place of what happens here in in-person worship. Listen to what he says. You can't serve from your sofa. You can't have community of faith on your sofa. You can experience the power of a room full of believers worshiping together on a sofa. Christians aren't consumers. We are contributors. We don't watch. We engage. We give. We sacrifice. We encourage. We pray by laying hands on the hurting. We do life together. The church needs you. And more than that, you need your church family. Like I said, I was kind of meddling here, and I know that. But I'm just asking you, I'm just, seriously, I'm just asking you to be consistent. And, and you know better than anyone. Okay, so there's no judgment on, from me, okay, coming. Nor from the elders. You know, we don't call people up and ask them where you've been or any of that stuff. You know, we understand the pandemic. But you need to be honest with yourself. You know, is COVID, is it a real reason for not being here, or is it a convenience? And only you know the answer to that. Only you know the answer to whether you're being consistent or inconsistent. As a Christian, be consistent. Someone say, well, okay, yeah, but you know, Elijah's in the cave, and God's telling him to come out of the cave, but Elijah wasn't facing COVID. No, he's facing a crazy woman. Because she hasn't changed her mind. It's maybe been 41 or 42 days, but she has not changed her mind. And when he comes out of that cave, and when he goes and gets re-engaged, she's going to be there. She's not gone anywhere. She hasn't fallen off the, off the wall yet and been eaten up by dogs. That hasn't happened yet. She's still alive. Okay, so now let me talk to you about conquering your loneliness. There are three words that you need to write down. Three words you need to write down. If you don't write down for yourself, write them down for someone else that might need them. First one is refocus. People need God. And so you need to get your focus back on God, and that's what... And that's what God did for Elijah. He went inside his cave, and he got him refocused. He asked him, what are you doing here, Elijah? What, what, what's your business 
here. And so that's what Elijah did. First Kings, the 19th chapter, verses 10 through 13. What that says is he says, I am alone and am left. And then it says that God came to him with, you know, there was a fire and then there was some wind and then there's some earth shaking of the mountains. And then it says, and then a still small voice came to Elijah. What are you doing here, Elijah? He goes inside the cave. He doesn't wait for Elijah to come out of the cave. He goes inside the cave to Elijah. And I'm saying to you, isn't it? I mean, aren't you glad that God comes into our caves of, of loneliness and doesn't wait for us to come out to him because we probably wouldn't. So he comes into the cave and it says, and he comes with a still, small voice or a whisper. And Elijah hears it. So what did he hear? I don't know exactly all that he heard, okay? But I want you to listen to the still, small voice, the whisper this morning. Listen to what Jesus said. And remember, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Hebrews 13, 5. I will never leave you or abandon you, God says. John 14, 18. I will not leave you as orphans. Isaiah 43, 5. Do not fear, for I am with you. Deuteronomy 31.6, be strong and courageous. Don't be terrified or afraid of them. For the Lord your God is the one who will go with you. He will not leave you or abandon you. Isaiah 41.10, do not fear for I am with you. Do not be afraid for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will hold, you, uh, to hold on to you with my righteous right hand. Refocus. Refocus on God. Put your faith in, in God and recognize that God uses people to do that. Re-engage. People need a purpose. You need a reason for living. Get back and to find some way to serve God. Uh, again, in 1 Kings 19, verses 14 and 15, the Lord said to him, to Elijah, go return your way to the wilderness of Damascus, and when you arrive, you shall anoint Haziel king over Aram, and Jehu, the son of Nimshi, you shall anoint king over Israel. And Elisha, the son of Shaphat, uh, of Abimelech, uh, you shall anoint as prophet in your place. You need to go. You've been in the cave long enough. Time to come out of the cave, and you need to re-engage. And so part of getting past loneliness is to get into action and get serving. So some of you might say, well, yeah, but Richard, I'm an old person now. You know, I'm a senior saint, and I'm retired, and I'm shut away, and, and I'm done with that stuff. Well, no wonder you're lonely. You need to get out of that stuff. Okay, so I am, I don't know if I've told you, but have I told you lately that I have a, a disease? Seriously, a disease, it's called OLD. Have you heard of that? OLD? I'm looking in the audience. A lot of you have OLD. Okay? But it's not retirement time. While you have breath, while you have energy, you need to find a way to serve the Lord. I'm not saying you serve him like I do. I'm saying that you find a way that you can reach out and help others. And in doing so, you find your purpose. You'll find a reason to be alive. So it's time to get out of your cave of loneliness and get back to serving God. I love Bill Knoll. Bill Knoll, Bill is what? Did he just turn 90 years old? Bill's 90 years old. Now, Bill is an at-risk person. 
He's an at-risk person, and that's why he's not here. I guarantee he'd be here, but he's at risk. He's 90 years old, and he's got some, some conditions that put him at risk. But the guy is a servant. I love it. He sends notes. He puts posts on Facebook. He sends out notes to people. He drops little gifts on there. He does it with young people. He does it with old people. You know, he is just, he is not done living his life. And so you need to get back into to serving. Okay, Shelby says, I shouldn't tell you people how old I am. I'm 67 years old, okay, 67 years old. And I'm here to tell you, I'm not done serving. You know, I still have a little bit of a brain with me. I still have pretty good physical health. Some of you, you know, I might be crazy, I just don't know it. Crazy person, the last person to find out, you know. But, but I'm going to stay in this thing as long as I can. And when I can't be here, then I'm going to be somewhere, find some way to serve God. You need to get out of the cave and serve God. Third word, realign. People need people. Begin with the people of God. Church membership is so important. If you just moved here to this area here, and now you're, you've been checking out this congregation, when you moved here, you moved here because of job, you moved here because of family or whatever. When you moved here, you brought everything that was important to you. Well, what's important to you as well as your faith and your membership? You need fellowship. You need to be a part. You need to be engaged. And so you need to realign with people. And that's what God did for him. You need to go down and you need to go to Jehu. You need to go to Elijah. And not only that, in verse 18, he says, listen, you need to know, you didn't know this, you need to know, there are 7,000 prophets who have not bowed to Baal and have not kissed his feet. You are not alone. With this pandemic, I'm telling you, you are not alone. If you're alone, it's because you're choosing to be alone. You don't have to be. Realign. So Elijah left the cave and went and found Elisha. So as I was working on this lesson here, I thought to myself, okay, every time you get ready to do this lesson, it's been on my heart for a long time, every time I get ready to do it, then the surge happens. And then it goes back down. I think, okay, now, now I need to talk to these people about this. And then it goes back up. And I, now, I need to, now I need to talk about it. Now I, now I can't talk about this. And so, so I decided, okay, I'm going to talk about this. Because Elijah was in that cave. And he's going to have to come out of the cave. When he came out of the cave, he's still going to have to face this crazy woman. Well, we're going to have to come out of the cave. And you're going to have to face COVID. Because it's, it's there. And I don't know if it's ever going to go away. I don't know. I'm not a doctor or anything like that. Just got opinions in that area. But it's time that we just align with people. People need people. So how do you conquer your loneliness? Well, loneliness is people need God. People need people. People need a purpose. All of us have a bag of rocks. All of us have carried rocks full of pebbles. You know, and we throw them at things from time to time. I had a good brother who wrote me a text the other day. He's really struggling. He's a great brother. I, lo I love him. I love his spirit. But he, you know, he wrote me and talked to me about some things that's going on in his life. And, and I didn't see it as being negative. What I saw was he just throwing a pebble at my window. Just throwing a pebble at my, toward me, saying to me, hey, Richard, I'm still here. Please don't forget me. I'm still here. And so I don't know where you are this morning. But here's a good time to throw pebbles. No rocks. <laughs> but here's a time to throw a pebble. 
than the pebble. If you are struggling with loneliness or any of those other things I've talked about, if you want to come forward here, we'll pray about it. Here's what I do know is Jesus is always there. He's promised to always be there for us. There's hope for you. Jesus promises to be here for us, to be with us, to walk with us. He's promised that to us. And I'll take him at his word. He'll be here. He's been here for me. He'll be here for you as well. Whatever your need is, once you come on together, we stand and sing.